The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Thank you for that. Good music this morning. And we talked last week about happy, happy, happy. And I asked you a, a question, and in a lot of that message, and also in a lot of the message today, uh, we're kind of going to follow that up with when all you have or all you ever wanted was not enough. And uh, I want to begin by asking that same question. If you want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, with the thought of this, are you happy? And then beyond that, uh, what's going to make you happy? Uh, And then beyond that, when will you finally be happy? And this morning, uh, so many people live under the false hope of, I will be happy when... And we've talked about this before, you know, there's going to be something or some set of circumstances or something that's in our mind that we anticipate, uh, that's going to make me happy when I get to this point and we're simply endure today waiting for something in the future that's going to make us happy. So we, we go through our lives, we're, uh, we're achieving this or we're achieving that and we, once we assume that, or we assume once we've achieved all of those things that, uh, when I get to that, that accomplishment, then I'll be satisfied and finally I'll be happy. And, uh, if you've lived this life very long, you can probably look back at, your life at some point where you thought you'd be happy when this happened. Now, if you're in school, you may think, well, when I finally uh, graduate high school, I'm going to be happy. When I finally get out of college, I'm going to be happy. When I, when I finally get married, I'm going to be happy. And, and just go on, and, and it's just one step after another, and you're just going through life. Peter Kiefer says it like this, it's a wild goose chase without a goose. You're just, just chasing after something, and, and there's just a step after step after step trying to find satisfaction and be happy. And all the while, the problem with that is we miss out on life. We miss out on what's happening right where we are and what we already have. And this morning, I hope that as we go through this, that you won't find this uh, an ideal that, that, that you're going to say, well, this guy sounds like he, we're not supposed to be happy and we're not supposed to have pleasures in, in today's life. That's not at all what this is about. This is about how do we find happiness when, when everything we've always wanted isn't enough. Where's the happiness in that? When we finally reach that, that point of our life that I've said, well, I've done these things and I, I finally reached that point, but it's not enough. It's still no happiness. Where do we find that? And this, uh, in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter reveals Solomon is searching for those things. And in, in the first chapter, he talks about wisdom. He says, okay, I was going to find happiness, and I, I'm going to search in wisdom. And, and we're not going to talk about that this morning, but, but gaining more knowledge. And, and Solomon found that there's no satisfaction there. Now, I'll put a side note here. Solomon uh, is, is the, most, the, the wisest person to ever live. That's, that's widely known and understood that, that he, he is a very wise man. He asked God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. So he's, he's a very wise man, and he says, well, if I can have more uh, knowledge and more understanding, then I'm going to find happiness in that. So chapter 1 reveals that. So, so we move into chapter 2, and, and uh, as we move into chapter 2, Solomon says, okay, there's, there's something else that I think I can find happiness in, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life, and I'm going to look for these, these things to find pleasure, and there's actually a term called that, hedonism, which is, which is simply pleasure-seeking, and that, that pleasure is our soul 
chief. I mean, it, it's the only thing that we can find good in, and, it, and it's a life of, of pursuit of that happiness. It, it controls all of his conduct. It's everything he's looking for. And what we find in chapter 2 is Solomon is describing the, the search that he's going on. He says, okay, I'm searching for happiness, and I'm, I'm going to do this with this great pleasure. I'm going to search for these great pleasures and and I'm going to get some relief from a futile life. In other words, I'm going to get some relief from, from going through the process of everyday life and I'm going to search for pleasure in life. I'm going to find happiness in life. And he categories these things. It's pretty interesting when you look at this. The things which he pursued for pleasure, the things which he pursued for happiness, and he gives us a list of possibilities that he tried. He, he says he investigates alcohol, comedy, self-motivation, building projects, entertainment, servants, music, and sex. We find all of that in chapter 2. So he says, I'm going to, everything that I want, anything I think I can find pleasure, I'm going to investigate these things. And we begin our study here by verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 2 says, I said in my heart, this is Solomon, come now and I will test you with mirth, or I'll test you with pleasures, therefore enjoying pleasure. Everything included in this brief statement he makes, there's, a, there's a, a lot of things included here. First notice this, he said, I said in my heart, it doesn't seem that Solomon sought any godly counsel, it doesn't seem that he, he went after anything, he, he simply said, I said these things, and, and there's so much said here about me, myself, and I, and in these verses, it comes up over and over and over, we see the word I. I did these things, I sought these things, I bought these things, I heard these things, I tried these things. So over and over and over we see uh, that ideal of, of Solomon saying, here, I'm, I'm in a pursuit of happiness, I'm, I'm in a pursuit of fulfillment in life, I, I'm in pursuit of, of finding pleasures of life, and, and I've tried all of these different things. Now we're going to look at, at chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11 this morning, and then we're going to close with one other verse. But, you know, when we think about life and we think about uh, even contemporary people, in other words, folks that, that, that are newer, we see people that have devoted their lives to pleasure. And, and you may not have heard of some of these people. You may have. The uh, older I get, the more I realize that my examples are getting over. Kurt Cobain and, and River Phoenix, Elvis Presley, I'm sure everyone's heard of him. Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, those, those folks that, that from our past, uh, uh, they sought pleasure their life. And because of those things, they ended up dying at a very young age, all of those people I mentioned. And, and Solomon is saying, you know what, in, in my search for those pleasures, and that's what we see so many times in these folks, I examined all of those things. So what I want us to do this morning, and we're going to move quickly uh, as quick as I can, is I want us to look at some of the things that Solomon learned and some of the wisdom that Solomon had in the pursuit of pleasure. And that's the first thing we're going to see. Solomon's examining these adventures and he's, he's using the pursuit to find meaning of life. And he says there in verse 1 through 3, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoying pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it's madness, and of mirth, it doesn't accomplish anything. I searched my heart uh, now to gratify my flesh with wine and guiding my heart with wisdom and how I lay hold of folly that I might see what was good for the sons of men 
to do under the days all of their lives. So I want to kind of break that apart, what he talks about. He, he talks about some of the things that he examined, some of the faucets that he used to, to try to find pleasure. The first thing he says is laughter. Now, is there anything wrong with laughter? Certainly not. I love to laugh. I, I, I love to, to hear funny stories. I, I love to tell jokes and hear jokes. And, and there's nothing wrong with laughter. But he said of his laughter was madness. In other words, what Solomon did is he, he invested his whole life. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have gestures come before me. They're going to they're gonna do tricks. They're going to tell jokes. And, and even during this time, some of the things they would laugh at is they would take people from other cultures or people that had different, uh, different things they struggled with and they'd bring them before the king and they'd make fun of them and they would uh, do all of these things with them and, and to find joy in that. So when Solomon talks about this, he's talking about that morally perverse kind of things, things that, that, that we see even today in comedy sometimes, some of the, the frivolous, profane, cynical things, cruel things that are said. And, and Solomon said, I sought after those things holy. That's, that's the only thing I looked for. And, and at the end of it, I realized it was just madness in those things. Then he says, I, I tried it in alcohol. And, and Solomon's not saying that he intended just to go out and get plastered. He didn't say, you know, I'm just going to go get plastered. He, he said, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take this under controlled experiment. That's kind of what, when we study, that's what he's saying. And so when he would find himself in certain situations, he's not saying, I'm going to, I'm going to get drunk and I'm going, to, I'm going to just go out and, and be a rebel rouser. He said, no, in moderation, I begin to experience with these things and uh, I begin to, to try these things to gain experience. And, and of that, he says... Uh, in Proverbs twenty twenty one, wine is a mocker and strong drink is a brawler, and whoever uses those things are led astray and are not wise. So in his experiment, he realized, hey, I didn't find joy in those things. I thought it was there. I thought I would find it there, but, but I really didn't find joy in those things in excess. Then he says music. Is there anything wrong with music? Of course not. I love music. I, I, that's one of my favorite things we do here on Sundays and probably yours too is I love to sing and I love to hear music. I love to be involved in music. And, and Solomon says, I, I went down this road. He says in verse 8, I provided for myself male and female singers. Music was kind of rare there in those days. So Solomon said, you know, I, I, I did everything I wanted. I had performers come in. I, I listened to the very best music. They literally uh, placed their lives on the line when they came and, and performed for me. But at the end of that, he said, it still wasn't there. And there's, some, there's kind of some false promises here. And I want you to listen to these things. And if you have some wisdom of your own, and maybe it came with years, you realize what Solomon is saying is there's, there's, some, there's some false promises and pleasures. The first is this, the law of unfulfilled expectations. There's a law of unfulfilled expectations. And, and enjoyment will decrease unless the intensity of the pleasure increases. Isn't that true? You know, joy will, will decrease unless you can do a little bit more. In other words, if you, uh, if you like to uh, bungee jump, I've never done that. I don't know if they make a bungee strong enough for me to bungee jump with, and I'm not going to test it. How do you test a bungee cord? Anyway, so, so let's say you do that a few times. Well, what happens? Over time, it's got to be a bigger jump, doesn't it? 
Over time, it's got to be a little more dangerous. Over time, it has to be a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. That's the law of unfulfilled expectations. You have to do the the next thing to, to continue to find joy in those things. So that's what Solomon is saying in his uh, in his examination of these things, he said, I, I discovered there's some, there's some laws of unfilled expectations. Solomon's trying to say, don't think that the, the next thing you do, don't think that the, the more you do it, the more you're going to find joy. And he says, it's an ongoing process. So as he come to a conclusion, he said, there's not joy in those things because of the unfulfilled expectations. Here's the second thing, the law of diminishing returns. Y'all know what that is? I bet we have all experienced the law of diminishing returns. In other words, what that is, is you get something, you really like it. I mean, this is it. You, you've, you've arrived, but pretty quick you get bored with it. Where do you see that at? Parents, where do we see that at? Kids and toys, Christmas morning, what happens? Man, I want this toy. I want it so bad. Y'all remember growing up and y'all, we got that big old Sears catalog? And you just flip over there in that Sears catalog and you just look at them toys and you think, oh man, I, yeah, boy, if I had that right there. Now, I guess it's Amazon these days. Maybe you go through your phone and, and go, boy, if I had that right there. But, but you know, you look at the Sears catalog and you'd find something you really wanted in there and, and you ask mama for it or you ask grandma for it and, and boy, you get it and you're so excited. And what happens? That, that, that law of diminishing returns takes over. In other words, after just a few moments, what happens? Oh, I've got another gift. I'll just throw that one aside and I'm going to go after this. There's, there's not pleasure in that anymore. And even if there's pleasure over time, a week or two, a month or two, what happens? You've, you've lost that. You've lost that joy you found. So Solomon's saying in life, in a much bigger picture... He, he said, I, I realize there's a law of diminishing returns that, that, you know, the things that we find delight in at this moment, they become boring after time. Here's the third thing, the law of unintended consequences. You know, if you're pursuing pleasure and you're, you're ignoring the restraints that God has for us and you're, you're, you're discovering along the way that, that with there's pleasure, there's, there comes unhappiness sometimes. In other words, when we pour our life in the pursuit of pleasure, at some time, it cost us our family or our children or even jobs or different things because because we're 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 working so hard to find find pleasure and find happiness that there's some unintended consequences. I watched this movie one time. Now I'm a guy. I watch a movie several times. Amen, Haley. I mean, I, my family. We just quote movies. Does anybody else do that? Do y'all just quote movies all the time? Yeah. You know, we we'll. Uh, and and uh, and I'm I'm not picking on Haley this morning, but we'll we'll all quote a movie. And I'll go, <laughs> and she's like, I don't get it. <laughs> well, did you watch the movie? Yeah, I watched it. Well, I don't remember that part. Well, we watched it 13 times. You know, we yeah we remembered uh, we remember all those things. But I, there was one movie I watched one time. The reason I watched it one time is it to me it was so depressing, and it was called Click. Did you ever watch that? Had Adam Sandler in it. And the movie is about this. He wishes for a remote control for life. And he gets it. So what would happen was, when he would come home, if his wife was nagging or grabbing in it, he'd hit fast forward. And then he'd stop it when it got to the good parts. 
And, and then when his, when his kids were growing up and they needed this and needed that, he would just, he would hit fast forward and he'd just through that. And, and towards the end of the movie, he's an old man now. And, and he makes this statement, what have I missed? That, that, that law of unintended consequences. The movie was this, he lived his life. And those times that he was building life, those times that, that where you build character, those times where you find pleasure with your family and you find pleasure in those things, he just rushed through those times. And, and he fast-forwarded through those times till he could get to things that was all about I and me and mine. And he was laying with a heart attack and he looked at his kids and his wife and they were old people too. And he realized he had missed a life. And I hated that movie. Because I could look at myself and I could see times as we look back. Have you ever said this? Boy, I wish I could go back. I'd do things differently. We can't go back. But we can start doing things differently now. And that's what Solomon is trying to teach us. That, that we look for happiness and we run after pleasures and we seek all of these things. And at some point we look back and we've missed out on life. We've missed out on the pleasures. We've missed out on the joy of life. And he says, as I, as I sought these pleasures, I found no joy there. Here's the second thing he says. As I, I was in the pursuit of projects. He said, I tried pleasures, I tried all of these things, and, and I found no fulfillment. So I, 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 I pursued projects. Some of us are this way. I'm kind of like this. I made my works great. This is 4 through 7 in chapter 2. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. Notice these are all for himself. I made gardens for myself and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools for which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants. I had uh, servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. So he said, you know what? I, I started a project. I said, well, I've not, not found happiness in running after all the other things. So, so I started a project and I began to build. Have y'all, y'all heard of the Winchester house? I'm sure most of you here probably have. Uh, the, the Winchester Mystery House, it, it's, a, it's a mansion in San Jose, California. Uh, it was a resident of Sarah Winchester. She was the, 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 the widow of, of William Wirt Winchester. Of course, he built Winchester rifles. She started in 1884 and began to build this mansion. She believed that, that the, the, the house was haunted by all the people that Winchester rifles had killed. So, you know, and, and Winchester went through some wars and different things, so that was her mind. So she began to build from the ground up, and in some accounts they say around the clock. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, she was building the mansion. I was reading some of the things about it. She died in September the 5th, 1922. So for all of those years, started in 1884, all the way through 1922, they built all of those years. Somebody with math background can figure that up, 1922 through 1884. But, but the house was a maze. It's a, it's a bunch of rooms. It's doors that open to blank walls. It's staircases that go up to nowhere, all in order to just keep building. 
There are roughly 160 rooms, 40 bedrooms, two ballrooms, one completed, one unfinished, as well as 47 fireplaces, over 10,000 panes of glass, 17 chimneys with two other chimneys, if there's evidence there, two basements, three elevators, all without any real purpose. The idea was that, that it would confuse the ghosts that were in the house. So she thought she would find happiness. She thought she could find pleasure there. She thought, she thought well, this is my answer. My answer is in, a, in projects. Well, that's what Solomon did. Solomon began to build, he began to construct projects in hope that he'd find purpose in life. And, and he, his scope of his projects are, are, are plural. There's, there's many projects that he had while he, while he lived. Solomon's buildings were, were great projects, it says. And verses 4 through 6, I made for myself, repeated four times. Listen to some of the things over in 1 Kings it talks about. Solomon took 13 years to build his own house. That's how long it took him. Second Chronicles 8, 4 through 6 talks about his gardens, his vineyards, his, or, uh, his orchards, the, the forest in which he built, the, the watering systems that he built to water all of these things. It had a, his house had an audience hall. It had a treasury room. It had a judgment hall where there was a great ivory throne that stood. He built a palace for the daughter of Pharaoh, his, his most uh, high-born wife. He did those things. Living quarters for Sol- Solomon's multitudes of wives and children. He built all of these things. He just, he just kept building and kept building and kept building with the ideal of, I'm going to find pleasure in this. I'm going to find pleasures in these, in these things that I can build, in these construction projects that I can move on with. It's, it's interesting to me, in, in, in 1 Kings, it, it says it took Solomon seven years to build a temple. That was to serve the Lord. It, ter- it took him 13 years to build his house. That was to serve himself. Isn't that kind of interesting? So, so he said, if I, if I wrap myself up in the, in the pursuit of, of building, in the pursuit of projects, surely I'll find happiness. Then he moves on to the next thing, the pursuit of possessions. It says in verses eight, verse 8 there, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures of the kings and the providences. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of sons of men, musical instruments of all kinds. And when we read about this, uh, his wealth in 1 Kings, the word gold is repeated 14 times in that. What I want us to understand is, is he, he was a rich, rich man. 14 times. Verse 1 of chapter 10 of 1 Kings says, The weight of his gold, listen, that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Then in verse 21 it says, All a king's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of his house was of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. Out of that thing, listen to this. 666 talents of gold each year, that's 25 tons of gold annually. It wouldn't take many years to build up a fortune, would it? 25 tons of gold annually, which was coming into Solomon's household. Well, he said, I tried sex. Let's, let's think about what he says. He says here, the delights of the sons of men. That's only used one time in the Bible. But it's translated this way. Some translate it as concubines. That's the RSV. Some as, as a harem. That's the NIV. 
But what it, it all concludes to is they're for sexual pleasure. Listen to this. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That put Tyler Woods to shame, didn't it, right there? I mean, that's a thousand. Uh, that's, that's a thousand. He said, you know what? I was going to find pleasure there. I mean, everything I wanted. I had all the gold, all the buildings, all the things. My house was great. It was built by these, these huge timbers and everything was laid in gold. All of my dishes were gold, made from gold. I, I had a thousand women there in my house and, and all of these things. It says in, in Matthew 6.33 where the Lord says, you know, you can't, you can't love money or mammon or that's really talking about material possessions and you'll either love one or hate the other. That's what, that's what he's talking about. Solomon said, I, I invested everything I had in those things, everything I could find in material possessions, but I still didn't find happiness. Here's the last thing, the fourth thing. He, he pursued prominence. Verse 9, so I became great and I became excellent more than all those who were for me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep it from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all of my labor, and this was my reward for all of my labor. It kind of seems strange that through all of this, Solomon remained wise. Now, we can look that. Obviously, he's not talking about the wisdom that comes from the fear of God. Maybe he's just talking about a a raw intelligent, but I think what he's talking about here is, is he continued his experiment. He, he continued to move forward, testing his heart without ever he saw, whatever he desired, but to him it was still meaningless. Look in verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hand had done, and on all the labor which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity. It was simply a grasping or running after the wind. That, that word, verb there, look, translates kind of considered. Uh, it's something that, that kind of says, you know, I beheld all that happened. I, I sat back and I began to consider. I began to look. I began to mull over in my mind all the things that I'd tried, all the things that I'd done. And I realized those were all meaningless. They were just like a, cha- cha- a chasing after the wind. You know why that is? The reason that is is because that's how God designed us. It's important for us to understand that, that, that God designed us, that, that we're not going to find all the pleasure and all the joy that we want this side of heaven. Why is that? Because if we find all the pleasure and all the joy we want this side of heaven... We're never going to want God. We're never going to need God. We're never going to look towards God because we find all the joy and all the pleasure here. And I think it's important for us to understand. Solomon says, I I gave this experiment and I tried all of these things and I realized that all of those things, I came up empty till I turned to the Lord. And in that, I realized that's where we find true joy. That's where we find true happiness. Now, does, does God want us to be unhappy? Of course not. There, there's nothing sadder than long-faced Christians. I've said that so many times from this pulpit. God wants us to have joy. He wants to have happiness. He wants us to have possessions. What I, I mentioned a while ago, He said, I've come that you'd have life and that you'd have it more abundantly. He, he talks all through Scripture about how He wants to pour His blessings out upon us. 
But He wants us to, to receive those blessings. He wants to find joy in Him and in His service. And, and when God blesses us, He wants us to use that in His kingdom. And I believe that's what Solomon is saying here. If we look and, and we begin to look at some scriptures about the, the pursuit of pleasure in Scripture and, and not renouncing pleasure, but to seek God in pleasure... The prophet Jeremiah says this, that when we just seek out pleasure rather than seeking out God, it's like broken from a cistern, drinking from cisterns that hold no water. Listen to what the Lord said. The Lord said, if anyone comes to me and drinks, then I'll quench his thirst and spring up a well of living water. If you're in your Bibles there, turn over to Ecclesiastes 2, and right there at the very end, down in verse 24. Look at what Solomon says. At the conclusion of all these things, he says, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see is from the hand of the Lord. You know what that says? We... It doesn't say we're not to find joy. It says we find joy in happiness. We find joy in, in our eating. We find joy in our work. But all of those things, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink, to find satisfaction in the work. This, too, I see is from the hand of the Lord. So what he's saying, he's saying we find joy and we're going to find happiness in the hands of the Lord. I read this story, uh, and I didn't know this. This is not my own. I, I actually read it. Uh, the biggest uh, section in the city newspaper, in big city newspapers, are that of adoptions. Did y'all know that? I didn't know that. Uh, this came from uh, Ed Young. He's down in Houston. And... Uh, he, he, he wrote a book called Been There and Done That, but he, he listed, it says, the biggest section in most city newspapers are called a section of, a, of adoption. It's not an announcement of who's been adopted, but who, want, who wants to adopt. Couples who do not have children advertise to pregnant women who may be considering giving up their child for adoption. Listen to three of these entries. Here's one of them. California doctor, dad... A home mom wished to adopt a newborn. We'll provide love, security, and opportunity. Please call Steve and Elaine. Here's another one. A desire a baby to adopt. Outdoorsman type dad. Stay-at-home mom. One crazy dog. Wish to provide love and financial security and a great home for your newborn. Here's another one. Joan, a Texas elementary art teacher. And David, a successful professional, wish to adopt your baby and provide a wonderful life full of love and stability. And we will share photos through the years. Please call. Don't that touch your heart? I mean, that touches mine. Just to think about what we see here. And as that touches our heart, remember this, that that's what Jesus promises us. I mean, he, 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 there's, there's temporary... Uh, gratification in the things of the world but but the Lord promises us a place of love a place of fulfillment and a place of joy would you bow your heads with me this morning and father I pray as uh, just the foolishness of a man's words have been uh, just thrown out here this morning Lord I know that your spirit can bring those things together 
And and Father, through the wisdom of Solomon, we can experience true joy. Father, I pray today that we wouldn't think that it's your desire that we're heavy-hearted, downcast. But Father, you desire to, to bless us, to fulfill us when we seek first you and your kingdom and that righteousness, Father. Lord, we we can know from experience when we run after the things of the world, uh, so often they they come back void to us. They come back with no joy and no pleasure. But, Father, if we'll try and we'll experience you, we understand that's where true joy is found. Lord, I, I pray, Father, that we wouldn't live our life and miss life. Lord, I pray that we could... We could say, as Paul did, whatever our circumstances, I found the secret of contentment. Father, not that we stop going, not that we stop striving to do better and to, to, to be more about you, but, Father, that we could find to enjoy everyday life in the process of building life. Father, I pray that we'd understand that's where we find joy and we find joy in you. Lord, I pray that, that we'd understand you've created us with a a need and a desire that can only be fulfilled through you and through your spirit. Father, I pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us today. As we come to the time of invitation, I pray that we would turn our hearts, our minds, and our eyes towards you. And Father, you'd lead us during this time. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.